there, and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name is Aaron Sinemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. Today, we get to sit down with our friend of the podcast, uh, Pastor Stephen Blandino. He's always fun to have on, and uh, I appreciate his practical um, teaching. And so today, we're going to talk about habits of effective ministry leaders. It's just a phenomenal teaching, and um, yeah, so that we can we can be more effective and as we lead people. I also would encourage you to subscribe to his podcast, Leader Fluent. Um, we mentioned that in the beginning of this episode um, on the he discusses team meetings. And um, yeah, that was a phenomenal one that I really enjoyed. Practical. Once again, his teachings are always practical. They're very insightful. And there's something that you can walk away with action steps that you can put, you can put into action that day. When, when you listen to the podcast or you read his material, you can uh, use it right away and just, uh, just appreciate him. Also his book, Stop Chasing Easy. If you haven't, we've interviewed him on the podcast about that, but if you haven't got a copy of that, um, that book, I'd encourage you to do that also. If you've not Yep, subscribe to the podcast. I would encourage you to do that. And um, yeah, I know the podcasts that I subscribe to are the ones that I listen to. And that way, just download it to your device or whatever you listen to the podcast on, um, whether that's your phone or yeah, or your computer or whatever. And uh, that way they're there and you don't have to go searching for them. Do want to ask you to continue to send in your questions for Back Channel of Foth. That's where we sit down with Dick Foth and answer listener questions. I curate those, try to put those together and um, so that they correspond to, to some somewhat to the episode or the inter, the person we get to have the honor of interviewing on that day. And so, yeah, just continue to, to continue to send in those questions and uh, we get to we get to learn from Dick and uh, always enjoy sitting down with him. Well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to have our friend of the podcast, Pastor Stephen Blandino, back with us. Stephen, welcome back. Thanks, Aaron. So good to be with you again. It, it is awesome. Stephen, I thought we'd just start by asking if you could just maybe give us an update on your book. Yeah, thanks. Um, so last month, or I guess it's been uh, about uh, six, seven weeks ago now, my book, Stop Chasing Easy, came out and takes a journey through the book of Philippians and provides just some great insight on how to live a life that counts, not just today, but for eternity. Yeah. And um, and that life usually isn't easy, right? Uh, in fact, <laughs> the things that matter most in life are rarely easy. Uh, and so this book talks about uh, four trade-offs you have to make to navigate through that and uh, those those trade-offs deal with our mindset, our maturity, our mission, and our movement uh, wow. toward that mission. So, so yeah, it's going well. And um, if anyone wants to learn more, they can check it out at stopchasingeasy.com. Sure. And um, so there's the paperback, the ebook version is also available. Awesome. And there's a bunch of bonus content you can get when whenever you purchase the book, including a masterclass for leaders. All that's wow. free whenever you get the book. So very cool. Yeah, very cool. And I just I list, listened to this week your um, most recent episode of, of your podcast one effective um, team meetings excellent excellent stuff thank you and um, thank you concise but packed full of information and i think we've all sat through team meetings that were um, not too fun but i loved how you began with celebration and the importance of celebrating um yeah and, and team meetings so good stuff thank you thank you Good stuff. Stephen, um, we're going to spend some time today talking about habits of effective ministry leaders. And um, yeah, I just wanted to jump in with a, a first question about you, you You talk about the importance of spiritual intimacy. Um, can you share a few questions we should be asking ourselves about spiritual, spiritual intimacy? 
Certainly. Yeah. So this is one of those areas that if we're not careful, we can overlook at, look at because we don't think spiritual intimacy is connected to leadership. And yet, if you're not leading out of spiritual intimacy, um, I think we all know we run the risk of our leadership going awry. And so, you know, I think there's some some good questions you can ask things like, you know, which spiritual habits refresh you the most? It's okay that you have a favorite spiritual habit. You know what I'm talking about? It's okay that you you tend to naturally lean in one direction versus another. And so for some people, that's going to lean in the direction of, you know, scripture or worship. Um, for others, it might be in the direction of uh, serving or, you know, just really personal reflective uh, time. Find the habit that refreshes you the most. Lean into that. I'm not saying ignore the habits that don't. I'm just yeah. simply saying it, it's okay to recognize the life-giving habits that you uh, are, are going to be most attracted to and let those fill your soul. I think another good question to ask is, how can your personality type enhance your spiritual habits? You know, that someone who's more extroverted, they may really enjoy Bible study with friends. They may really enjoy having an accountability partner that they pray with, that they meet with once a week or once a month. So, um, you know, if, if that's your personality type of, of being around other people, lean into that. If it's more introverted and you, you prefer to pull back and reflect and have personal uh, time of study, great. Let your personality not get in the way of your spiritual uh, intimacy, but actually become a catalyst for it. And uh, so I think that's healthy. And then, you know, one other question I would ask is how can you practice spiritual habits with your team? You know, we're leaders, we're leading teams. And, and if those teams are, are followers of Jesus, then, then how can we uh, take the lead with our team where they're actually growing deeper in their walk with God, as well as together collectively, we're, we're growing and praying together and, and studying together, maybe even serving together. I know there have been times that, that our team has gone and done a serve project together, maybe in partnership with Habitat for Humanity or something like that. So what can you do as a team to practice those spiritual habits? So those are a few things that I would say to help you cultivate spiritual intimacy. Yeah, for sure. And that that idea of, I loved how you framed it, that spiritual intimacy and then growing in our relationship with Christ. And as you said, as, as leaders modeling that and taking those opportunities. Um, yeah, just to, whether we're in the marketplace or we're in the church, we still have an opportunity um, to model those those, those spiritual di- disciplines and our, and our relationship with Christ. I wanted to ask you another question about um, personal growth. Um, what are some reasons... You know, I, I think you and I both, we love personal growth. It's something that um, it challenges us, something we get excited about. But what are some things that how Jesus modeled um, personal growth for us? Yeah, you know, I think Luke chapter two just gives us a, a snippet, a little picture into Jesus's personal growth. And which to me, that in itself is is powerful because we tend to think, well, Jesus was the son of God, like he didn't need to grow. I mean, he he was God. Right. And yet he he modeled this. He practiced this. And you see this in Luke two. Um, one way was that leader that Jesus had a growth mindset. Luke chapter two, verse 40, it says that, you know, this is whenever he was a child, it says that, that he grew and became strong and that he was filled with wisdom and, and that God's grace was on him. And so there, there was this uh, growth mindset that we then see through the remainder of this chapter. There were also growth 
practices, things that he did to help him grow. And, and one of those had to do with asking questions. Um, there's uh, in, in that Luke chapter two, there's this passage where it talks about how at the age of 12, he's in the temple courts. And it says that he's sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And I love that because Jesus wasn't just dispersing information, right? He wasn't there just to teach. He was asking questions. So, so there was, uh, the, the, there was this desire to continue to, to learn, to grow, to improve. There was this posture where he didn't have to be the expert in the room. And then Jesus also was very intentional about his growth. You know, Luke 2.52 says, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. In other words, it doesn't say Jesus thought about growing or that he thought growth was a good idea, but he was intentional about his growth. Jesus grew and, and we see that he was growing spiritually and physically and mentally and socially. There was intentionality about how he was growing. Yeah. Um, so I think that's pretty critical. There's a quote that I, I came across um, from author Ken Blanchard and Mark Miller that I, that I love. They said, growth for leaders is the treasure that funds the future journey. Hmm. Stop finding the treasure along the way and the journey ends. Wow. And I just thought, wow, that is so powerful that our growth is critical to our future, how that unfolds. And, and so Jesus obviously modeled that for us. And, and that posture obviously needs to be a part of our lives. I think it's a great example, too, that, you know, I think sometimes as leaders, we feel like we have to have all the answers. And um, as you shared, you know, Jesus, he asked he asked a lot of questions and a lot of times he responded to people's questions with other questions. And um, I think that helps me as a leader to um, see his model and recognize that I don't always have to have the answers, but can ask questions, listen, learn. And uh, yeah, just that idea of, of growth for sure. I'm going to ask you one of your questions. Um, who's the best servant leader you know, and what are characteristics? What characteristics do you see in them? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I I mean, I can think of several people. There's one that I'll I'll uh, refer to. Um, a friend of mine named Jeff Galley. Jeff was uh, we worked together for several years um, before I uh, went back in the church work and before uh, pastoring Seven City Church, but but Jeff and I worked together in a leadership organization, and um, I, I've just seen over the years his servant-minded leadership, his servant-hearted leadership, and some of the things that, that really illustrate that for me is, one, he's humble. Um, he is also not in it to build his name. As so many leaders, that's, man, building up their image, building yeah. up their name. He, he didn't care about that stuff. Yeah. And yet he is a great leader. He's got great insight. Um, he, he actually works on the central team for Life Church, So he's overseeing um, uh, ministry on, on dozens and dozens of campuses. And, and uh, but he's just got this, this ability to not care about the ego side of things, about 
name recognition. He wants what's healthy for the organization. He wants what's best for the team. Uh, and he's just got a depth of character and a depth of spirituality that allows him to lead where those things are not that important. Um, when we worked together years and years ago, I know there were times whenever he actually gave up his salary so I could have a salary, wow. like when things were tight and, and, um, and, and, you know, it was a matter of like, who's going to get paid this week. I mean, he took, he did that. And so I've just always appreciated that he's, he's got a, uh, a humility that enables him to put, put people first and to put God first. Yeah. It's a, it is a um, uncommon trait for somebody that's willing to invest in others and not be worried about their personal platform or their personal name. And um, I think, so. yeah. And so to find somebody that models that and, and it demonstrates those characteristics is, is phenomenal. It is phenomenal. Sounds like a great man. Love to meet him yes. someday. Some of them love to meet him someday. Um, yeah. So stewarding time wisely. Um, what are some key points leaders should remember about stewarding, stewarding our time? You know, three things stand out to me, and I know there's a whole lot more whenever it comes to time management or the stewardship of time, but, but I think of these three things uh, as pretty essential. The first is you've got to identify high return priorities. And by that, I mean that there, we can all do a thousand different things, but, but what is going to bring the highest return that is going to have the greatest impact? A lot of times whenever we think of um, time management, you know, we, we think of, well, what are all the things I can say no to? And that's certainly important, but it starts by determining, but what must I say yes to? what are the highest priorities and, and what are the things that are going to give a, a great return for my investment in time in those things? Because there's, we all have things we can do that we might even be good at, but they're not high return priorities. That's the key. Does it give me the return that's going to bring the greatest impact for the organization? And, um, and, and we're not, you know, just because you can do something efficiently doesn't make it high return either. You can efficiently do the wrong things. Hmm. So, so that's, that's key. The, the second thing is I think, you know, establish clearer boundaries. Um, Stephen Covey, he, he said this once, you have to decide what your highest priorities are and have the courage pleasantly, smilingly, unapologetically to say no to the other things. Hmm. And the way you do that is by having a bigger yes burning inside of you. That's what I just referred wow. to about that, those high priority things, yeah. right? You got to have that bigger yes, but then you can say no. You can set boundaries so you, that you say, this is what's going to be the, 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 the line for me where I determine, nope, those things are not going to grab my time. And then the last thing I would say is, is effectively delegate. Hmm. Um, if you're going to say no to things, that doesn't mean those things can be ignored, there's a good chance they still have to be done by somebody. And so to delegate effectively, we've got to make a list of those tasks that maybe fall outside of our high return priority areas. We've got to identify who we can delegate those things to. And sometimes they're volunteers. Sometimes they're other staff members. Sometimes they're things we just need to outsource to somebody else. And maybe we pay a fee to outsource them. Um, there are occasions when they just are not that important. They just don't need to be done like that. We can just remove those from the radar. And then you got to finally, you know, you got to hand those things off to the person. And, and when you hand them off, the key is to give them uh, the authority 
to do those things. They like decision-making authority to actually do those things as well as whatever resources they need to do them the way that they need to be done. So effectively delegating is pretty critical. Yeah, for sure. And you talked about this. Sometimes we can do things efficiently, but it's not necessarily one of the yeses which we focus. How do you determine that if you're maybe you're really good at something, but it's just not, you know, it, someone else could do it and you don't really need to focus. Is there a process that you think about Stephen? Yeah, I think, I think one thing is you've got to look at what can only you do for the organization. And so if the thing that maybe you're, you, you do well, that you're efficient at is something other people can do, then it may be time to hand that off and let other people do them so that you can focus on doing the things that only you can do. That's where you're going to, that's, that's what needs your attention. And those are usually the high return priorities. So who else on the team can do it that, that, uh, you know, besides you, I think that's, that's the, probably the key determinator there. And when you delegate and you turn it over, how do you, how do you keep your hands out of micromanage it, managing it in the sense that somebody else can do it, but then you, maybe they wouldn't do it the way you would, or we'll say Aaron, Aaron would want it done. And so is there a process that you can just begin to pull back so that you're, you're not getting, you still don't want to micromanage it. Cause I don't, I've never, every time I've been micromanaged, it's, it doesn't leave me with yeah. a great feeling. So does that make, sure. does that, that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. I, you know, in that process, I think, look at delegation, not as an event, but a process. In other words, when you're handing it off to somebody, you may need to say to them, here's what I want to do. I want to hand this off to you. I want to turn this responsibility over. Um, but I also want to set you up for success. And so mm-hmm. to set you up for success, I want us to meet together and I'm going to walk you through how I do this and, and the why behind that so that they understand what's important to you, what, what's valuable to you, like what's critical that has to be done in this because maybe you know other things depend on it. And then, um, you know, so walk them through that, hand it off to them and then say, we're going to do a couple of follow-up meetings where I can ask any questions you have about this hmm. um, and, and uh, to, to, to make sure that, again, you're set up for success. And if there's a question you've got, you know that we can, we can discuss it. We're going to go ahead and put those meetings on the calendar yeah. and, um, and, and then we'll, we'll follow up. So that's turning it into a process rather than a, Hey, here's this good luck, you know, and, and, <laughs> and then they run with it and then you're disappointed. Yeah. So it's almost like you're, you're, you're planning ahead of time yeah. to, to create the system where they're going to succeed. And then once you've, you know, had a couple of follow-ups, you, you turn it over completely. And then if you have to revisit it, you have to revisit it, but you've got to, at that time, you've probably given them enough to know what exactly what they need to do. And um, you're not going to get in the way as much. Yeah. Good word. Good word. Um, one of the other things you talked about in habits of effective uh, ministry leaders is the, the importance of, or maybe avoiding um, poor team communication and um, and how that communication with the team can be very challenging. Could you just unpack and share a little bit about this for us, the importance of quality communication and not having poor communication? Yeah. You know, there's um, this can be a tough one. In fact, sometimes uh, I've heard uh, and I've been a part of teams where, where we just say, well, we're just not communicating. We're just not, we're not, talking about what we need to talk about or or there's too many too much ambiguity or we just don't know what's going on and so to deal with communication you've really got to create systems to make sure 
that doesn't undermine you. And so I, I think part of that system is first off, making sure the the big picture side of communication is taken care of. And that's the vision side. Um, if there's not, if there's not clarity of vision, you're handicapping yourself all the way around and you're, you're putting the organization in danger of creating multiple visions. I love something that Brad Lominick said one time, he said, leaders who don't communicate their vision are no better off than leaders who have no vision to communicate. <laughs> so, so there's, you know, there's gotta be this, um, that's the leader's job. They've got to clarify the vision and then they've got to communicate the vision and you've got to have both of those. So, so that, that communication piece right there is essential for overall organizational direction, but then you've got the maintenance side of communication as well. And I think a lot of times this can happen in meetings. Uh, Meetings are opportunities to create communication alignment among your team, among Hmm. groups of people and, and so I'll give you an example in our staff meetings, uh, we've got, a you know, we kind of break our staff meeting up into several different things. You, you refer to, to, uh, the episode of, yeah. of the leader fluent podcast, yes. um, a moment ago. And in this last episode, I talked about, you know, five parts of an effective team meeting. And, and one of those parts is communication. And what I talk about there is that, that you, I'll put on our agenda, even if it's just, you know, five minutes, communication items that we will refer to each week that I just want them to be aware of. Because here's the tendency. How many times have we heard somebody say, I didn't know about that? I didn't know we were going to do that. And so so we very quickly will go through our calendar for the next 30 to 60 days, not to talk about items not to make them to discussion points, but just to keep them in front of the team. Hey guys, just a reminder, this is coming up. This is coming out. Like we'll just run through those things. Any other, you know, uh, communication items will be in that section of our, of our meeting that eliminates almost entirely, at least for us, it does this. Well, I didn't, I didn't know about that. No, it's being kept in front of us without taking a lot of time and without it being a, 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 you know, something that we're, we have to discuss every item. Now, as some of those things get closer, they do become discussion items. For example, you know, at the time of this recording, Easter's like right upon us. And so we're, we're about to, you know, so that moved into more of a collaboration time in the meeting where we're collaborating and really planning out those things. But, you know, for the longest time, it was just, Oh, by the way, Easter, this is when it's landing this year. So, um, And then, uh, of course, there's different ways to communicate uh, with technology. You know, there's all of those uh, things. You can put certain systems in place. And then some communication is also the marketing side of things, the promotion Hmm. of things to the congregation. So so thinking about communication from those various angles, I think, helps mitigate and, and eliminate some of the communication challenges we can have. Yeah, for sure. And um, have you found, uh, do you use a platform for communication? I know there's Slack, there's email, there's Microsoft Teams. Is there a certain one that you prefer? Found yeah, like? we, we, we don't use Slack. I know a lot of people do, and, and I hear great things about it. Um, uh, I don't feel like our team, like we do have a group text with our team, yeah. uh, but but there's not like, it's not a large, large team right. where, the, like, where that becomes unmanageable and overwhelming it's a size where it's like that's still manageable that that that, that's easy enough um so there there, there's nothing um 
per se like that. The, the, the systems, the tools we use are pretty basic and pretty common yeah. and, and, and that's still working for us. But yeah. I think you just have to be aware of when they're not working for you yeah, for and, sure. and understand, okay, it's time to, to, to pull something different into the mix. That's going to you know be effective and help us accomplish what, what we need to accomplish. And for every team that may look a little bit different, but I know there's more and more things. I guess here's the other thing for me. There is always something new. And I know some yes. <laughs> people that are constantly switching to the new thing. And I'm like, you're spending more time learning a new system than you are leveraging a system that works for you. 100%. I'd rather spend my time leveraging a system that works for me while remaining sensitive when it no longer works and then let's switch. Yeah. So that's, and that's my perspective. And, on that. and it's not just time, it's money. You know I mean? That, that's those, right. All those that's systems, right. all those systems, they're not free. And they create friction points, as you said. Right. Every time we change, it's another friction point, and um, and you begin to stack new all those friction points together. And a lot of times, you're trying to communicate better, but if there's so much frustration in the process, you don't end up communicating it. So for yeah. sure. And, and and I'll give you one example. We we just signed on to a, a new texting service that we use when we're whenever we're promoting things to uh, to the church and everything, um, or if we want to promote signups and, and we had had a, a texting system like that before. And then we went to something different, but we've gone back to a system because a better texting system came out that really allowed us to accomplish our goals. And that, that was more effective for what we were trying to do. So it made sense to, to, to make that move. And, and so, you know, again, it's, it's making sure this makes sense. It's accomplishing what it needs to. It's not, half a band-aid you know i mean it, it, like it, it, it's just i don't know so yeah it's got to make sense for you yeah good stuff um one of the other things you mentioned in, in this uh, this teaching is about the need for leaders to have a habit of creating healthy culture what are some reasons that this habit is vitally important and um what can leaders do to create create this habit maybe they don't have it maybe they're new to it um how can yeah. they create this habit of of, of healthy culture yeah, so it's important first off because an unhealthy culture will stunt progress toward your vision. You know, it's the old saying that culture eats vision for lunch. So so when there's an unhealthy culture, it doesn't matter how big and bold your vision is, you're just not going to get there. Culture is is critical to the process. Culture, an unhealthy culture also um, causes relationships to suffer. Uh, there can be breakdowns among the team. There can be just relational friction because the culture isn't healthy. Um, unhealthy culture can also diminish employee engagement. That's a big one right there where team members just begin to disengage because it's not that they don't necessarily like what they do. It's that they don't like the culture in which they're doing it. And um, there's just a toxicity there. So, so culture, and, and here's the hard thing about culture is it, feels nebulous at times like it feels like it's not this clear specific thing it's the way we do things and so um, I think I've discovered over the years this is one that is very is not easy um, and it requires a tremendous amount of intentionality and there's multiple things that affect culture so so I think a starting place is one defining your values if you're going to shape culture um, then you and your team have to know what the values are. You've got to be able to um, then model those values and 
ingrain those values in the organization and um, those things shape, shape your culture. So, and I think, I think when it comes to those values, you also got to hire to those values. You got to ask questions to help you gauge is this person like, do they, do, do they resonate with the values that were, that are important to us? Another thing is relationships. You've got to focus on relationships, building strong relationships, um, realizing that uh, relationships strengthen uh, camaraderie. They bring joy to ministry. They, they help you multiply your efforts. They increase trust. Like the stronger the relationship, the healthier the culture. Hmm. And, um, and because people are messy, sometimes this process can be messy. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, a third part that I would focus on is accountability. Are we holding team members accountable uh, to their goals, to progress, um, to behavior? You know, one of the one of the dangers you have to be careful of whenever it comes to culture is that if you tolerate bad behavior, that will infect the culture. It will sure. create toxicity in the culture. And it's easy to tolerate it because we just don't want to deal with it. Yeah. We don't want to address the conflict. We don't want to address the, the 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 behavior that's disrupting unity among the team or disrupting relationships or whatever. So we just kind of give it a pass. Whatever you tolerate ultimately creates culture. Yeah. And um, and so that's 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 really uh, uh, really critical. So having accountability measures in place is important. And I think the other thing is sometimes, Stephen, is if somebody's a high performer, we we tolerate bad behavior or tape. Maybe it's yes. not bad behavior. Maybe it's just behavior that goes against our culture. And yeah. I think that also speaks to, you know, what it speaks is, is That's we right. value performance over our culture. And um, we communicate that indirectly, but it kind of, it does send a message, you know, throughout the, the, the team or the organization or whatever you're working for. Have, have you Absolutely ever, do you agree with that or? Oh, a hundred percent. And, and here's the thing. That's one of the hardest ones to, to deal with because <laughs> if you've got a team member that they do their job really well and they um, like they're talented at it, they're gifted at it. They, they deliver a quality of, of uh, ministry that, that you're really proud of, but yet their behavior is causing other problems. It's one of the hardest ones because you don't want to lose the value that they're bringing, like the quality of what they're doing. Yeah. And, and, and so when you're dealing with it, you know, there's one part of you that's having to say, you need to understand you're doing a great job, like the technical side of your job, a plus you're <laughs> killing it, you're killing it. But um, there's some behaviors here that are disrupting the team or that are disrupting, um, you know, uh, certain things or they're going against our values that that you have to understand that's not OK. And this has to change. And so and the, the challenge is we fear losing the value that they bring in regards to their skill. Yeah. So much, um, we, we fear losing that, that, that we just give a, a pass to this. We just kind of scoot it under the rug. And in the meantime, they're driving everybody else crazy. And, and that's just, um, that, that, that's a real struggle, a real temptation. And, and, um, it's not easy. 
No. It is not easy. Yeah. But, but that's I know a guy that what wrote leaders a book about, have to do. <laughs> I know right. a guy who wrote a book about stop chasing easy. So maybe, that's right. maybe he'd, be, that's right. he'd be able to tell us a little bit about that. So, But what again, it falls on us as leaders, right? We have yeah. to like, that's, that's what, that's part of what your job is. And, and, you know, people can do a big part of our job. Uh, you know, it's the old thing that, you know, a 10th grader could do a lot of what your job is, but you get paid to do the part that no one else wants to do. <laughs> That's what I always say about doctors, you know, 90, 95% <laughs> of the doctors, what you're paying for is the easy ones, but you know, yeah. the easy diagnosis, yeah. but what you're really paying for is for them, he or she to be able to differentiate and, uh, when they need to jump into action for the more, more complicated one. ones, for sure. Investing in, um, other ministry leaders, um, it seems very obvious and, you know, it, but at the same time, it, it can be challenging. What are some of the barriers that leaders have in investing in others? I think one is they don't make it a priority because they don't feel like they have the time. Hmm. So many, so often, like we're just busy. We've got plenty to do. And let me just let them do their thing. I'm going to do my thing. And let, let's let's get another week under the belt. Let's get another service, you know, uh, done. Let's get another Sunday behind us. And so it's just not a priority. And another thing is we don't identify the people that we need to invest in. Mm. Um, we also don't have a specific plan of how we're going to invest in them, whether it's coaching or training or resources or opportunities so I think you need all three of those. It's got to be a priority. You got to identify the people and you need a specific plan that's going to help you actually invest in developing uh, leaders. Here's the thing about leadership development. It's, we all know it's important. We all know it's critical, but it's time intensive. And so it just gets pushed down the ladder. It just isn't that big of a, uh, of a priority, even though we know it's, it's like super important. Everybody yeah. says, yeah, we need more leaders. Yeah. But leadership development can be messy. Leadership development takes time. And, um, and most of us don't think we have the time to make it happen. So it just, it, it just doesn't. Yeah. And it's not an input output relationship. You know I mean? Yeah. There's times that you invest, you might not see, I guess I shouldn't say return on investment, but in some sense of that, you might not see it or, you know, I mean, that you might invest in somebody and they might leave or, you know, I mean, so right. I think that's I think is sometimes as leaders, if you've been burnt or hurt or, you know, frustrated, mm -hmm. that also might be a barrier to why we don't want it to invest in others um, just because you don't you don't know. And um, that right. unknown that's keeps right. us keeps us from doing it. So, yeah, it's the old thing that Maxwell talks about all the time that, you know, uh, what's worse than training your leaders and having them leave it's not training them and having them stay right so <laughs> so we we just that so often is kind of the attitude we have is well last time i did that last time i invested in that you know they they left and look where you know i didn't you know it hurt me this way or that or whatever that's not what our focus has to be we need to focus on developing people training leaders to investing in them and then, you know, if they leave, well, then, hey, they get to take all that with them and, and yeah. another ministry is going to flourish because of it. But here's the, here's the reality. If you invest in them, you're going to flourish as well. Yes, they're going to leave, but I got news for you. Everybody's going to leave eventually. Right? <laughs> Everybody on your team will eventually One way or the other. Something huh? else. That's right. Including you. Including you. Right. <laughs> all of us have a, a, a 
time on yeah. our the area that we're serving in. And it may be for years and years and years. Um, it may be for a few more months, but but the reality is you invest in people regardless of how long they're going to be there. And then when they take what they take and go somewhere else, then that ministry is going to flourish. We're all in the same kingdom. So let the flourish, let the kingdom flourish. And just a reminder, the people that are coming to you, somebody invested in them before they came to you. And now you get to benefit from that growth too. Right. So yeah, that's just the reality of, of yeah. the kingdom. So. And it's, and to put it, in, it puts it in good perspective and perspective. We need to keep in game, keep, uh, to keep in mind of the 10 points you, you, you discuss in this, this uh, teaching on habits of effective ministry leaders. Is there one of them that may, might've been the most difficult for you personally? And, um, and how have you worked to overcome that challenge or are working to overcome that challenge? Yeah. I think the one right now is the one we just talked about. Multiplying ministry leaders is, and, and the reason is because I've got a brand new staff. Hmm. And um, and so most of them have been on the team for just a, a, a few um, a few weeks or months. And so, wow. so there's a lot of, you know, orientation, getting them acclimated to the church, to the culture, to them just getting to know uh, their teams and, and people. And so, it's like you're kind of having to start from from uh, from the beginning, and that just takes time. And they're not going to multiply ministry leaders when they don't even know who their leaders are yet. You know what I'm saying? So, so it, it, it's it's a challenge simply because of a timing issue right now uh, for for us. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And do you find investing in volunteers? Um, as far as volunteer ministry leaders, is that equally as challenging or is that something that maybe is a kind of a, its own, its own thing? Well, I think it's, it's different in that with your staff, you can have built in, um, there's some built in systems that you can create with your staff where you have daytime hours to work with. Right. Um, so like I do one-on-ones with, with all of our staff and those are going to happen every Monday afternoon and it's a standing appointment in, in our calendars and each person knows when their one-on-one what is, and it's the same day, the same time every week. Um, we have a staff meeting every Monday morning. Um, and in that staff meeting, there may be staff training or development, so there's certain things that are built into the calendar that are happening during hours when everybody else, all your volunteers are at their own jobs. Yeah. So, so yeah, there is some differences from that standpoint where you have to say, okay, um, what is this going to look like? And, and it may not be as frequent, um, but you may decide, Hey, we're going to do some team meetings with all volunteers, you know, at these points in the year, Um, For certain specific ministries, we're going to make sure we've got training on these issues at these times in the year. Um, One thing we do with with our volunteers on Sunday mornings is we have a team huddle um, every Sunday morning before um, before service. And so whoever is serving that day, you know, they show up for that team huddle and it's only 15 minutes long, but we got specific things we're doing in that team huddle to make it, you know, value add and and as well as to express our, our appreciation. So yeah, you've got to work with schedules and it's probably not going to be as intense, um, but you still got a responsibility there to develop your volunteers and to invest in them and figure out what does work with our team, with their schedules and um, how can we add the most value? Yeah. 
Stephen, always phenomenal to spend time with you. And um, you challenge me every time and appreciate your wisdom and insight. You pray for us today. Pray for Certainly. those that are listening in that are that are leaders, those that will be leaders one day. Or, um, yeah, just pray for us that God will use this to help us grow. Absolutely. Thank you again, Aaron. God, we just come to you in Jesus' name. And, Lord, you've called us to lead each one of us in some capacity, in some place in the world. Uh, you've given each of us certain responsibility, certain opportunity. And our desire is to steward that well. So, Lord, we ask for your help to develop the habits, the habits that will help us lead in a way that brings the greatest glory to you. Help us to cultivate our intimacy with you, God. Help us to steward our time wisely and uh, for your glory and for the good of others and and to keep us healthy. Help us, Lord, to to prioritize our growth and to uh, multiply leaders and to embrace all of these habits, God, that are going to help us along the way. Uh, We need your help. But God, we also recognize that with your help, great things can happen in people's lives and the kingdom can advance simply because we we lead out of a posture of submission to you and choosing to first and foremost be healthy. God, help us in that. We thank you for it. I just pray your blessing on each of these leaders listening in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.